Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. It's the Crowd Noise Podcast. I am Stephen Martinez. On the Thursday, November 22nd, 2018, it is Thanksgiving Day, my favorite holiday of the whole year. Christmas is good, too, but uh, I like Thanksgiving because it's so easy. I mean, there's no stress. Christmas can be uh, kind of stressful, especially when you start uh, buying gifts for everyone. You can't leave anybody out because uh, everyone is so sensitive. Why didn't I get a gift? So uh, Christmas can be a little bit stressful. There's all kinds of Christmas parties that you have to go to. You might not even be able uh, to enjoy Christmas because you have to go to party after party after party. Fourth uh, of July is similar to that too. You have to just go to every everyone's cookout. Uh, Thanksgiving, uh, me personally, I can only eat once. I mean, you can only eat so much. So there's no reason in going to everyone's Thanksgiving uh, dinner because you're not going to be eating. And then that looks kind of weird too. You're at a Thanksgiving party, but you're not eating. That's kind of awkward. So Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. It's the easiest easiest holiday of the year. Just got to cook a turkey. I mean, you can buy a turkey and go to Albertsons. I don't recommend that, but I mean, you could you could do that. I mean, I, I've seen people do it. Um, it's the easiest, easiest holiday of the year. It's the best holiday. Um, there's tons of football on all day long, literally all day long from 10... Uh, in the morning, Chicago and Detroit, and then all the way until nighttime. Uh, the Saints and the Falcons were definitely going to be picking uh, all three of the games today. The other one is the Cowboys and the Redskins. Uh, and there's some great college basketball um, this Saturday or throughout the weekend. Uh, it's feast week. It's a great week, great week for college basketball. And uh, yeah, so it's just a great day. Uh, I'm glad that uh, you're tuning in and you're listening to the Crowd Noise podcast on Thanksgiving or whenever if you're listening uh Black Friday or, or over the weekend. I appreciate that too. But uh, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. It's a great holiday. Let's go ahead and get right into it. We're it's a football focused um, episode, but we're gonna so we're gonna start off uh, with basketball. We're gonna go ahead and uh, get that out of the way. There's a lot of drama going on as usual in the NBA. There's no dull moments. There's never a dull moment in the NBA. Um, if if you think there's a dull week or nothing's going on, you're not you're not paying attention because there's always something going on in the NBA. Then we're going to go to college, and we're going to finish it off with uh, NFL, and we'll be done. We'll get out of here, and I'll let you enjoy your uh, Thanksgiving this year. So the Wizards are blowing it up. They're getting ready to rebuild. They're going to go into the tank, and they're going to, they're going to get rid of uh, everyone. They're going to trade everybody. Uh, they came out this week that they're op- everyone on the team is on the table. No one is untouchable, uh, including John Wall and Bradley Beal. Usually the biggest sign that a team is going to um, rebuild uh, once they start shipping out their best players. Um, it sounds nice. Uh, it sounds great. But it's hard to get rid of those two players. Well, specifically John Wall, because he has one of uh, maybe the worst contracts uh, in the NBA. It's huge. It doesn't even kick in yet until next season. So if you were to trade for him, uh, you wouldn't even start paying him really until next year. And I th- his contract's up in the 40 millions a year. Uh, it's ridiculous. And John Wall, I mean, he's I like John Wall. Uh, but he's maybe maybe a top five point guard uh, in the East. So there's there's that. He's not one of the pr- uh, premier point guards. Steph Curry. Uh, I was gonna say James Harden. Well, James Harden plays point guard every once in a while. Uh, Kyrie Irving, uh, Ben Simmons. I would even put in that category. Uh, uh, whether you like him or not, Ben Simmons. He's he's the future. So just get ready for that. Um, then there's Bradley Beal, who is a little bit easier to move because um, he's a shooter. Um, in this league, you can't can never get enough shooting. Uh, he does have his warts defensive defensively. He's not a great defender, but this year in the NBA and going forward, defense is non-existent. I mean, nobody nobody plays defense in the NBA, so I don't think that's a problem. Uh, and like I said, you can never get too much shooting in the NBA. I mean, that, that, so his his skills as a shooter makes him transferable to any team in the league, which makes it's a little bit easier to trade for Bradley Beal. Uh, his contract is also a little bit bloated. Uh, but not as bad, not as bad as John Wall. Not nearly as bad uh, as John Wall. And you're getting a great shooter, so uh, he's going to contribute. John Wall has uh, his shooting troubles are well documented. He's like West uh, Westbrook East. So there's that. I mean, I I just truly believe in this. In 2018, your your point guard has to be able to shoot and score. I mean, not just at the rim. They have to be able to shoot. I mean, look at the best point guards: Damian Lillard. I forgot to throw on Damian Lillard earlier. Damian Lillard's a great shooter. Kyrie Irving's a great shooter. Stephen Curry's probably the greatest shooter of all time. And those are probably the top three. Kemba Walker, another great shooter. And those are probably the three to four best point guards in the league. So, I mean, yeah, there's that. There's that about as far as John Wall. Uh, and that's why he's maybe not even top five in the East because uh, he's not a great shooter. And you just you have to be able to shoot, especially at the point guard position. You have the ball all the time. You have to be able to get shots off and make them. And uh, that's been... Uh, 
uh, one of the things that's been hurting John Wall throughout his career. Um, the Wizards wanting to blow it up is not uh, shocking to me. It's not surprising. I think it's long overdue. I mean, they were just they just kept running into a brick wall every single season, and uh, they just kept trying to uh, do the same thing. It's a definition of insanity. Doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting a different outcome. That's what the Wizards have been doing every year going into the postseason. They've been good enough in the regular season to win games, get in the playoffs, and get a respectable seed. And then they, they just blow up and implode yearly uh, in the playoffs. And it's, it's uh, a little bit confusing because they've never... The reason I say this rebuild is long overdue because, yes, they, they lose every year in the playoffs, but they're not even like a threat in the playoffs in the east which i mean is like the worst basketball conference in the world apparently um but they're they've never been a threat they've never been the raptors they've never been the celtics and i'm going back uh referring more to uh when lebron was in the east because uh yeah that's when the wizards were in the playoffs they're not even gonna make the playoffs this year um they've never been the raptors who have challenged lebron they've never been the pacers uh, back in the day with paul george uh the celtics more recently challenging lebron who else? Did I miss anyone? Celtics, Raptors, uh, Pacers? I don't think I miss anyone. Uh, the Wizards have never been one of the true contenders to make the finals. It's always been whoever LeBron's playing with and then another outside team one a year, whether the Raptors, the Pacers, and then the Celtics. It's, those are basically the three teams that have really challenged LeBron in the East uh, throughout the years. The Wizards have never been a, uh, a part of that conversation. Uh, they've never been title contenders. They've never been Eastern Conference Finals contenders. And they just they just keep, uh, they're not getting better. I mean, even the way their roster is structured is, is confusing. I mean, they have John Wall, who I, who can't shoot, like I said. Uh, they have Bradley Beal, who can shoot, is a great shooter, but doesn't play a lot of defense. Uh, they have classic back-to-the-basket uh, bigs who rebound, but, I mean, they can't stretch the floor. And uh, Marcin Gortat, or Marcin, Gort- Marcin Gortat. Um, yeah, the Polish hammer, and then uh, Dwight Howard recently. So there's there even the way their starting lineup is constructed is it's confusing. Like every team, when you build your roster, you should have a, a play style in mind. Uh, the Warriors, it's, it's shooting. The Celtics, I would say it's defense. That was that was their bread and butter last year in the in the postseason. The Lakers, it, it's fast breaks and and ball handling and making plays. I don't know what the Wizards' um, game plan is. I have no idea what their idea is. Maybe. Um, I guess you could say a wall drive, driving kick to Bradley Beal for a three. That's their whole offense. But then you have Marcin Gortat slash. Uh, oh, they got rid of Dwight Howard. Never mind. Uh, where the heck is Dwight Howard now? I don't know. He guys all over. The, or he is in Washington. Yes, he is in Washington. Is he? I don't know. He, he's played for almost thirty teams in the NBA. I'm pretty sure he's on Washington right now. Let me look that up. But they have Marcin Gortat slash Dwight Howard pending a Google search right now, um, crowding crowding the lane so John Wall can't even get to. Um, I put I typed Dwight Howard's. Uh, they can't. John Wall can't even. Yeah, it is the Wizards. Okay, so he does play for the Wizards. He's also played for about fourteen other teams in the league. Um, but you can't even get John Wall to the rim because the lane is clogged by their bigs who can't stretch out the floor. So Bradley Beal's and being shadowed um, out on the wing or wherever. He, so he can't. He can't even get going. Um, Otto Porter does a little bit of everything. Okay, he doesn't do anything really great. Um, so yeah, their, their whole roster is constructed. It's just so confusing the way the, the Wizards are constructed. Um, and if you're, they're not even making the playoffs in the East, who I think the East has pretty much caught up to the West, um, as shocking as that may, have, that may sound. Um, because I, I really think that there are about as many teams in the East that can get to the finals as there are in the West. In the West, you have the Warriors. Um, the, I'll keep the Rockets in there because I, they're going to get better. They're going to figure it out. Uh, the, potentially the Lakers, um, and then that's it. Are we going to throw the Nuggets or the Grizzlies in that category? I'm, I don't think so. I mean, it's really early. And you look at the East. How many teams can win the East? The Celtics, the Bucks, the Sixers, the Sixers, the Raptors. That's four teams. So if anything, you can make an argument that the top of the East is better than the top of the West right now. So yeah, there's that. So I honestly think the East is caught up uh, to the West. But with that, the the Wizards still aren't even. Um, I don't even know what they're. I think they're like number 10 or 11 in the standings right now in the East. It's still early. I mean, they can win a bunch of games and make the playoffs, but uh, even if they get there, they're not getting better. They're not going to win. We all know if they get to the playoffs, they're not going to win. They're not going to get to the finals. So the Wizards uh, rebuild, blowing up the roster. Long overdue, in my opinion, and it's going to be just so painful to watch that franchise. They're going to be worse than the Philadelphia uh, 76ers rebuild because... There's that John Wall contract that's just, I mean, it's just bloated. No one in their right mind is going to trade for John Wall. No one can trade for, I mean, you have to, 
even if you're willing to trade for that ridiculous contract, which is, I mean, crazy in the first place, you have to be able to afford him. He has to be able to fit uh, in your salary cap. Is that what it, in the NBA? I don't know. Every Each league has their different like salary. Like baseball, there isn't one. I think it's the salary cap in the NFL. Um, I think it's salary cap in the NBA too. But anyway, you get what I'm saying. They have to be able to even afford John Wall. So you'd have to give up a bunch of pieces to free up some cap space and bring in. I mean, it's a mess. So the Wizards rebuild. It's going to be painful. It's going to be ugly because John Wall is, um, he's, he's a Jimmy Butler-esque guy. I mean, he's, he's not, uh, I don't want to say sensitive. I, don't, I hate that word, but uh, he, he's not going to take well to the Wizards trying to get rid of him. Uh, so there's that when they try to get rid of him. And they can't, so they're going to be stuck with them for the next like five years. And then they have to get rid of them, and then they start the rebuild. So it, it's just a, a mess in D.C. right now. Uh, they could probably get a nice turnaround for Bradley Beal. But again, there's John, John Wall's going to be there. for So whatever you get, if it's young players or future draft picks, it, the rebuild will not officially begin in Washington until they get rid of John Wall. And that's not going to be for a very long time. So if the Wizards, I mean, if... If it's not going to go, if they're not going to be able to rebuild for a long time, they might as well go all in. I mean, but at, at that point, like, what moves? What moves do you make to go all in? Do you? I don't. I don't know what moves you make for the Wizards to make them uh, a contender in the East because there are, like I said, there are so many great teams in the East now. It's not three or four years ago when it was just LeBron and everyone else. Uh, even last year, the East was getting a lot better. The Pacers were okay. Uh, they gave a Le- they gave LeBron a run for his money. Uh, there was the Celtics and the Raptors again, obviously. Um, I think the East is better this year, so I don't know what puts them over the top because they're already like falling out of the playoffs, and we're we're talking about them blowing up the whole roster. What player just puts them over the top immediately? Like, what trade could they make to put them immediately in the upper echelon in the East? I don't, I don't know. Outside of Anthony Davis, I don't see how what player is just gonna is just gonna propel them uh, into the playoffs and into uh, title contention. So uh, the Wizards, it's a mess over there. It's really bad. Another team, they aren't as bad uh, currently as the Cleveland Cavaliers, who are uh, very bad. They are the t- they are a typical Cleveland. LeBron, this is how this is how you know LeBron is the most impactful and polarizing athlete in the history of sports all time. That means past and future. I mean, there's no one more impactful than LeBron. He has the power to destroy an entire city. You look what happened in, in Cleveland since he's left. The Cavs are, uh, I don't even know what kind of uh, analogy to use. They're worse than a dumpster fire. They're the worst, they might be the worst sports franchise in all of North American sports right now. That's how terrible they are. Then you look at the Cleveland Browns. Do I Need I say more? Fired Hugh Jackson. Uh, they're the Cleveland Browns. Uh, the Cleveland Indian, Indians, they were in the World Series a few years ago. Blew a 3-1 lead to the Cubs. They're blowing it up. They're getting ready to rebuild. Uh, they're in trade talks with about Corey Kluber, Carlos Carrasco, Trevor Bauer. I mean, they're getting rid of everybody. They're going to blow it up. So they're going to be really bad in the in the upcoming years. Um, LeBron destroyed an entire city. He has the power to destroy an entire city, and uh, and he did. He sure did destroy the uh, Cleveland and really, really the the state of Ohio. Even the Buckeyes aren't aren't as good or as dominant as they've been in prior years and urban Meyer's on his way out the door so wow lebron has had he has left his mark truly on uh, clevelanders uh one clevelander he's left a very lasting impression on is one jr smith he is demanding a trade from the Cavs. he says i want out i'm done i'm finished with the Cavs. i deserve better jr smith says uh he's refusing to participate in any team activities as far as practices travels uh traveling games he's he's just not even a member he's basically a free agent uh as it is right now he's he's just refusing to put on uh any cleveland uniforms right now which i think is absolutely ridiculous but it's great for me because that gives me something to talk about uh in the nba i mean like i said there's always something to talk about it's just ridiculous are you kidding me now there are plenty of reasons uh why lebron left to la there are a bunch of reasons. I'm not going to say J.R. Smith is the sole reason uh, that he, he left Cleveland. But if there were, ever was a concrete moment in, in one picture, one moment that you could point to and says that's probably where LeBron officially made his decision. It's game one of the finals. It's the ultimate NBA meme where LeBron is just beside himself, just can't believe what J.R. Smith is doing. And no one else in the entire world understands what J.R. Smith was doing. Uh, when he dribbled out the clock, sent it in overtime, and they ended up getting swept uh, by the Warriors. 
So who are you? If you're maybe not one of the, maybe not the reason, but you are certainly one of the reasons why LeBron had to skip town and go to LA and just never come back to Cleveland uh, until he plays him again, played him last night uh, in Cleveland. Who are you to say, I'm, I'm too good for this. I am above this. Like J.R. Smith is just above this tanking mess of a team. He's just way too good for the Cavs. Get me out of here. Get me out of this filth. I mean, if anything, J.R. Smith is indebted to the Cleveland Cavaliers for putting up with his nonsense. This wasn't the first time J.R. Smith did made just just acted like a buffoon on the court or off of the court. He, need I remind you, he threw soup at an assistant coach. Is that's yeah, that happened. The ultimate J.R. Smith moment until the ultimate J.R. Smith moment, game one of the finals. He threw soup at an assistant coach, and you were still on the team. They could have easily traded traded. Uh, him away remember they also blew up half the team uh, at the trade deadline last year to get LeBron a brand he he played with a brand new team and took him to the finals J.R. Smith was not one of the ones that was sent out and he could have been he very well could have been one of the guys that got kicked out and uh, even though they got swept in the finals he should be grateful that he was even on the team and got to participate uh, in an NBA finals and he has was it one or two no he's got one ring uh, with Cleveland he has a championship ring what are what are you so bitter about? You should be so lucky to remain with the Cleveland Cavaliers. You should retire with that horrible franchise. And he's not better than Kevin Love. And Kevin Love signed an extension. Uh, if any, if I feel bad for anyone, it's for Kevin Love because he's a great player. He's a walking double double. I mean, he's a fantastic player. Of course, his numbers went down uh, when LeBron came to town because that happens to everyone. Chris Bosh had had really horrible numbers, but he they couldn't have won uh, any finals in Miami without Chris Bosh. But Kevin Love deserves way better than uh, J.R. Smith, and he's not chirping. I hope he gets traded when he comes back healthy. I hope he gets another opportunity um, in a different team. You never know. It might be the Thunder. Kevin Love might get traded to OKC um, by the deadline. When if, he, if he were to come back healthy and uh, get some games under his belt, I wouldn't be surprised if they sent him to uh, OKC to reunite with uh, Russell Westbrook. But that's a different story. J.R. Smith just needs to keep his mouth shut. He needs to be thankful that he's even on a roster before he turns into Carmelo Anthony and is just searching for a team and then eventually finds, his, finds himself uh, in the big three league with Ice Cube. I mean, it's just ridiculous, the nerve of J.R. Smith. Um, they're bad. I mean, I, I don't disagree. The Cavs are horrible. They're terrible. I think they have one win or two wins on the season. They are awful. But if you're J.R. Smith, you don't have the right to, to complain in 40. I didn't know, I wasn't aware Jimmy Butler, I mean, excuse me, yeah, I wasn't aware that J.R. Smith was the same caliber player as Jimmy Butler or Kawhi Leonard to force his way out of a team. I didn't know J.R. Smith was the same caliber player as, as Jimmy Butler. Because um, usually I complain about star players um, trying to force their way out. It looks even worse when you're a role player, you're a six man and you're trying to force your way out outside of a team. It's ridiculous, man. It's absolutely, it, it's it's despicable. Well, I don't know about despicable, but it is it is really annoying uh, what J.R. Smith is doing. Um, and with that, both the Cavs and the Wizards' uh, miseries and woes have uh, been well documented on this show today. And I beg the question, which franchise would you rather be? They're both a, a mess. They're both they're both in trouble in different situations. The Cavs. Uh, they just lost LeBron and that was it. That's all they needed to go down and being the worst team uh, in the NBA. And the Wizards are just aren't, they're not getting any better. They're just running at a brick wall uh, back and forth. Uh, as I said earlier, they're not getting any better. Uh, and they're not getting worse too, which is also bad because if you're not getting worse, um, you're not getting any draft. Pay. If you're not playing bad and you're not losing games, there's no hope of uh, getting better through the draft. So w- if I had to choose which franchise I would rather be today, Right now, I would honestly choose the Cleveland Cavaliers because even though I described how terrible they are, and they are, they're really bad, they can start the rebuild now. They can start tanking and building for the future today um, with or without J.R. Smith. They, they're going to get better. It not, it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take a while. Um, out of Washington and Cleveland, they are definitely uh, the worst city as far as uh, bringing in free agents. Uh, don't argue. They're, I mean... Okay, uh, if you think that was harsh, where would you rather live for the rest of your life, um, Cleveland or Washington, D.C.? I rest my case. But by, going, by building through the draft, they don't need free agents, and possibly they could land a free agent if they were to 
uh, draft well enough, which they haven't been able to do. They were also the franchise to draft uh, Anthony Bennett number one overall, but that's besides the point. If they were able to build a good enough young team, perhaps in the future, uh, their roster would be uh, fascinating enough or intriguing enough to bring in uh, a a star free agent despite being just a toilet of a city. Um, And the Wizards... They're not going to be able to start rebuilding for another five or six years. Like I said, with, with John Wall on the roster, they're not going to be able to get rid of him. They're, they're, they're stuck with him, and they have to wait. Bradley Beal uh, probably will be on the move. I think the Lakers are really a perfect fit uh, for Bradley Beal. I mean, that's what LeBron loves. He loves uh, shooters around him all over the place. But I just think I think the Lakers have bigger fists to fry. I, it feels like it's kind of a little bit of an impatient move by the Lakers, kind of a sellout move. Like, oh, let's, let's, let's bring in Bradley Beal. The plan for the Lakers was never to win this year, never to win in the first year. So I don't – the fit is right. I mean, the fit is perfect, but I don't, I don't see the Lakers really going after Bradley Beal um, this year. But that's besides the point. Um, so the Wizards are probably going to be stuck with John Wall and possibly Bradley Beal. Uh, maybe not Bradley Beal. I suspect he'll be traded somewhere by the deadline because – Someone's going to want a shooter, and, and there's going to be a fire sale in Washington, but not on John Wall. So the Wizards aren't going to be able to be in the Cavs position for a long time. They're not going to be able to rebuild and start drafting and tanking uh, as soon as the Cavs. So if I had to choose which franchise I would rather be, I would rather be the Cavaliers because they're going to be able to start rebuilding now. I mean, they could be in the Zion Williams, uh, Williamson uh, sweepstakes. They could get Cam Reddish, any one of the Duke boys. I mean, anybody they can take their pick. They're probably most likely going to be the number one overall pick. And then you can trade that away and turn that into a bunch of picks. Uh, we've seen the Celtics build and build in, in like three years with all the picks that they've stockpiled. So uh, I, would, I would be more optimistic um, about the Cavs if, uh, or just about the I'd be more optimistic about the Cavs than I would be about the Wizards. Uh, that's a franchise I would rather be today. It's, they're bad right now, but there's always, in being bad, there is good to come. Hashtag analysis. So, with that, we are done with our basketball. Let's go ahead and get into our college football. It is Thanksgiving. Let's go ahead and start talking about some football. Uh, we're going to close out the show with NFL, so let's go ahead and get into college. First, the latest college football playoff rankings. A little interesting. Not much has changed, but there was uh, one spot that was kind of interesting to me, so let's go ahead and get into that. Uh, counting down, number 15, Kentucky. Number 14, Texas. Uh, 13, West Virginia. They fell out of the top 10 and out of the college football playoff uh, race with a loss against Oklahoma State. Uh, number 12, Penn State. Number 11, Florida. Uh, and here's where things got a little bit uh, weird to me or uh, kind of interesting to me. Number 10, Ohio State. And number 9, UCF, the reigning national champions. Uh, number 8, Washington State. Number 7, LSU. Number 6, Oklahoma. Uh, number 5, Georgia. Number 4, Michigan. Notre Dame at number 3. And the top two big surprises, Clemson and uh, Alabama. What I meant by surprising is UCF actually leapfrogged uh, Ohio State in the top 10. So you could more than make an, ar- make an argument. There's concrete evidence. UCF has a legit chance to get the playoff, maybe a better chance uh, than Ohio State. Um, if Ohio State, Ohio State were to win this week, uh, that wouldn't be the case anymore, but we're going to get into that soon. Uh, I thought it was really interesting that uh, UCF jumped that high. I thought it was interesting. LSU is still number seven. I mean, get them out of there. I mean, there are t- we need. It's just so not even confusing. I think all of us know LSU's not getting in. Just get them out. Put them in the top fifteen. I don't care, number ten or eleven, and move up Washington State, uh, UCF, and Ohio State. Let's just keep all the real contenders in the top eight or seven. I mean, get LSU out of there. There's no. There's no reason for them to be ranked number seven. I understand they haven't lost since Alabama, so it's hard to win and move down, but if if that's, just have people get in front of them. I mean, there's no reason for LSU to be up there. Um, three huge games this uh, weekend. It's finally, finally the biggest game of college football we've been waiting all year long, or I've been waiting all year long. Uh, well, not this game, but we're going to talk about that game. You know what I'm talking about. Um, the first game we're doing this week, that was confusing. Uh, the Apple Cup, Washington, number 16, Washington in Pullman against number 8, Washington State. This game is going to be really interesting. I think it's the most, um, maybe not the most interesting, uh, or maybe the most interesting. Michigan and Ohio State is going to be the best game. But I honestly think Washington, Washington, Washington State is going to be the most intriguing game. And I say that because Washington State is the biggest dark horse of the year. I picked Stanford to make the playoff, and, and 
I guess I was sort of close I'm trying to make myself look better um, because I picked a dark horse from the Pac-12 North. I mean, how much more random could I could I have gotten? And I was pretty darn close. So I'm going to go ahead and give myself uh, half credit for picking Stanford when uh, Washington State is up there at number eight. Um, they're going to need a lot of help uh, to get into the playoff. I mean, a lot. Even if they win out, even if they win out, it's going to be really hard for them because they play in what is the worst conference in all of the Power Five, the Pac-12. Uh, whoever wins in the South, I think it's Utah. Utah's already clinched a spot in the Pac-12 championship. They're ranked, so that helps Washington State, but they're not Georgia, who's going to be playing Alabama. Um, uh, Oklahoma's going to get uh, either West Virginia or Texas. We'll get to them in a second. No one from the South is going to be any kind of, is going to add to Washington State's uh, resume. What has helped them is they've been dominating everyone. So if you're playing weaker competition, you should be dominating them. Uh, similar to what Clemson is doing. So there's that for Washington State. Uh, but they're at number eight, and they need uh, they need a really, really specific recipe to get in. They need Michigan to win. They need they need the um, the top three to pretty much stay chalk. They don't need any madness. If Georgia were to win, Washington State is out. It, it, there's no way they're getting in. So they need Alabama to win their uh, conference. They need Michigan to beat Ohio State and to win their conference, obviously. And they need, this is this is the trickiest part of this whole scenario, they need USC to beat Notre Dame. That is not happening. It's going to be ugly. I think what should be Clay Helton's last game uh, as a head coach ever, um, they're not going to win that one. So that's that's where things kind of get a little bit uh, tricky for Washington State. Uh, obvi- they need West Virginia to beat Oklahoma as well because um, Oklahoma is number six. Uh, West Virginia is already out of the running. Um, with West Virginia beating Oklahoma, both, there would be no Big 12 school this year guaranteed. So um, if West Virginia were to win, so they would need Oklahoma to lose, they'd need Notre Dame to lose, and they would need Georgia to lose. It's three, uh, three teams ahead of them that would need to lose. And they all, um, the trickiest one, the hardest one, is Notre Dame losing to USC. That's absolutely not happening. I don't foresee any other scenario where if the top four win out uh, as well as Washington State, I don't see how they leapfrog Michigan or Notre Dame unless Notre Dame... Like just barely beats USC. I even if they win, if Notre Dame wins out, they're in. They just have to get over this hurdle uh, this week, and Notre Dame is in. So Washington State, even they do not control their own destiny. Even if they were to win this week, uh, they would still need a lot of help. And winning this week is going to be kind of tricky because uh, Washington's a pretty good team. It's been a disappointing year for them. Uh, they were expected to get back to the playoff um, and be the Pac-12 uh, champion. Uh, they've been they've just been really disappointing, especially on the road. They just do not score the ball um, as much as they do in Seattle. They're going to be in Pullman. It's probably going to be raining and freezing, uh, which actually isn't uh, that, that it isn't big a big disadvantage for Washington. They're in Seattle, so it's not that big of a deal for them. Um, but Gardner Minshew, the mustache of college football, uh, one of the Heisman runners up this year. Man, he's just been playing fantastic. Uh, I think Washington State's just a little bit too strong, especially at home. If this was in Seattle, I would probably give it to Washington because these rivalry games are such a big toss-up games, and Washington's not bad. They've been a disappointment, but they're not bad. They're nowhere close to being a bad team, but I'm going to give it to Washington in a shootout. Um, where's my score here? Uh, I'm going to take Washington State at home if I can find the score. Washington State, 42-20. to 20. Wow, I got them pulling away. Um, yeah, Washington hasn't been, uh, they're not going to have the ball enough to, to, uh, to beat Washington state. If you want to be Washington state, you have to have a time of time of possession. I mean, a low scoring, I mean like 10 to three kind of game, because that's just, we're not, uh, where Washington state is comfortable. I think they'll score enough touchdowns to, to bury, uh, Washington late. That was some great analysis by me. They're going to score more touchdowns than the other team. Yeah, so I'm going to pick them to win. Washington State will win the Apple Cup this year. Second game, as I mentioned earlier, West Virginia and Oklahoma. West Virginia ruined what should have been a perfect college football weekend. You'd have three uh, playoff play-in games this weekend with Ohio State, Michigan, Washington State, Washington, and West Virginia, Oklahoma. But they lost last week against Oklahoma State, who apparently was just determined to get one upset. They just wanted to get one. They almost beat Oklahoma the week before, and this year they finished this week. They finished the job against West Virginia. They just wanted to get an upset win, and they got it. Good for them. Go Pokes. Um, but West Virginia's out. They're, they're done. There's no way they're getting that one. Um, and this that really hurt 
Oklahoma as well. I honestly think West Virginia out of the race is not good for Oklahoma because um, similar to Washington State, not as much, but similar. They're going to have one of the weaker resumes going in uh, to Selection Day. Um, it's not. I don't know if it's Selection Sunday. Selection Sunday is for uh, March Madness. I don't know what it's called for the playoff. I'll have to look that up for you guys. But you know what? Going in the selection, the committee is not going to have it's not going to be put um, blown away by Oklahoma's uh, resume, especially because West Virginia, for Oklahoma to even be in the race, would have to lose to Oklahoma. So they would have three losses at that point, and then Oklahoma would have to play a team. Uh, they'd get a revenge game possibly against Texas or West Virginia again, who I mean, whose record would uh, be dampened even further. So West, I mean, excuse me, Oklahoma is not going to have the resume going in to the playoff. It's a little bit better than Washington State because I'd give a slight edge to the Big 12 uh, over the Pac-12. Uh, that being in Oklahoma versus what Washington State schedule. Um, I'd, I'd give a slight edge to Oklahoma just because it's a Big 12, but that that just puts them over Washington State. For Oklahoma to get in, they got to get over Michigan, they got to get over Notre Dame. Um, so that, there's that. I mean, it's, it's going to be really tough for both of those teams to get in. I'm going to take Oklahoma this week. I mean, Kyler Murray, he's good. I mean, I'm not I'm not going full Bleacher Report and saying he's different after every single touchdown. If you follow Bleacher Report Bleacher Report on Twitter. Every single Kyler Murray touchdown. It, their caption he's different what does that even mean he's different I don't know I don't know what that means it's annoying but uh, he's good he does score a lot of touchdowns I guess he's different in the sense that most quarterbacks don't score a lot of touchdowns so he's different being in that he does score a lot of touchdowns uh, uh kudos to Bleacher Report for that one but I'm going to take Oklahoma this week 57 to 38 the good news is we're going to see a class of Big 12 shootout we're going to see a high-flying game uh, I, if you're betting on this game, take the over. I'd be mean, just take the over. Don't even hesitate. It's Big 12. It's West Virginia and Oklahoma. Take the over in this game. I think I've undersold this uh, the score 57-38. It's probably going to be more like 63-55 or something like that. There's going to be some monster scores in this game. Lots of touchdowns. That's different. Uh, last game this week is uh, Michigan and Ohio State. The game we've all been waiting for all year long. And this one's going to have uh, potential chaos if Ohio State were to win, this would be um, the worst scenario possible for teams like Washington State and uh, Oklahoma. This would not be good news for them. Or even Georgia, that would not be good for them. Because you'd get rid of Michigan, obviously with two losses they'd be done. Uh, and you'd have now you'd have Ohio State in the race back in. I don't think they would jump into no, the top four. No way. They, if they were to win this week... Um, they would jump anywhere from eight to five range. I'd, I'd put them in there, right, like right on the outside looking in. If they were to dominate, if they were really to beat Michigan down by 30 points, which I don't think will happen, but we have to cover every scenario. If that were to happen, you could definitely put them five to four range or six to four range, um, a little bit higher in the rankings, which obviously is not good for Oklahoma and Georgia and Washington State because now you have to deal with a new challenger and Ohio State would likely win their uh, conference championship against Northwestern. I mean, everyone's pretty much riding off Northwestern against Michigan or Ohio State, no matter who gets there. Um, So they have a conference title, and where the madness really ensues is if um, Georgia were to beat Alabama, um, then you'd have Alabama with one loss, Georgia with one loss, uh, let's just say Ohio, yeah, Ohio State with one loss, um, who else, Washington State wins, you'd have five, you have a five-way tie uh, Oklahoma, a six-way tie. You'd have a six-way tie for possibly for fourth. I mean, it would just be crazy. In that scenario, Georgia has to get in. They beat Alabama. I still think Alabama's the best team in the country. They're getting in. Um, well, Michigan would beat out. So that'd be the last spot. Notre Dame, if they were to hang on with, um, and win out the season, they would have to get in if they're undefeated. Uh, Clemson would stick. I mean, it was, it's just crazy. I'm confusing myself. There's just so many different I mean, scenarios. And they're all teams would have exactly the same resume, except for Alabama, but their case is we're Alabama, we're getting in, so there's that. Uh, but you'd have Ohio State, let's just say um, the least crazy of scenarios. Um, Ohio State, uh, excuse me, oh, okay, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Washington State, they're all fighting for number four. Let's say things stay, go, they stay chalk. Alabama wins, Clemson wins, the top three stays the same except for Michigan. Uh, and then you have that last spot, and Notre Dame wins out. So you'd have Ohio State, Oklahoma, and did I say West Virginia earlier? I meant Washington State. Alab- Ugh, so many different teams. This is why the committee has such a hard time uh, arranging all the teams because it's just so hard to do. 
Michigan, no, good Lord. Okay, Ohio State, here we go. Ohio State, Oklahoma, Washington State. There we go. You'd have a three-way tie for fourth, and all teams would have one loss in a conference championship in this scenario. Let's say Washington State hangs on against Washington, and they were able to win the Pac-12, and Oklahoma were to run the table from here on out, which they should. Who do you put in over each other? Because there's going to be two teams that are really going to get uh, snubbed. They have the exact same uh, record and uh, championship as the first team to get in. It would come down to resumes, and at that point, Ohio State would have to sneak in again because they play in the Big Ten, which is one of the better conferences now. Uh, they beat Michigan, who at the time, in this scenario, is a top four team in the country at home. But, I mean, it's, it's still a top five win. And uh, Oklahoma and Washington State or neither Washington State, would have uh, a resume similar to that. Now, Ohio State does have that ugly loss to Purdue, so there is that going against Ohio State. It's a toss-up, but I honestly think it's about getting the best four teams in the playoffs. I think we're all pretty comfortable saying Ohio State is better than Oklahoma and Washington State. They would get in. But for any of that to even happen, Ohio State has to win. That's the whole point of this scenario. I don't think that's going to happen. Dwayne Haskins, he is another Heisman runner-up to Tua Togovailoa. Um he's more dynamic obviously than uh, Shea Patterson. He's a bigger he's a bigger or better big play threat. Um he's he's a better runner than uh Shea Patterson obviously, but he's had his problems turning the ball over specifically this past week. Uh, Ohio State barely squeaked out a win um and Dwayne Haskins I think had like three turnovers or four turnovers and they were just begging to get upset last week and that was against a team whose defense is not going to be anywhere near what they're going to see uh, in Michigan now what they do have going for them is it's going to be in the shoe that is that is huge for Ohio State to have this game at home that's already big but Michigan just needs to do what they've been doing all year long control the time of possession and play great defense which is exactly the formula for beating Ohio State because Ohio State can score points uh, in a hurry and Michigan does not if uh, if it's a high scoring game if it's in the 20s and 30s by halftime Ohio State's going to win this game if it's lower in in like 17 14 or something like that or 10 7 by halftime Michigan's probably going to hang on to win because they play a closer low scoring game so uh, there's that for you but like I said Dwayne Haskins turns the ball over a lot Uh, Michigan has a great defensive line they stop the run they have a great defense, period. They stop everything. All they needed is one turnover, and they had to turn those uh, turnovers into points for Michigan to pull ahead without using their offense. And when they are on the field, they need to keep Ohio State's offense off the field. Hashtag that. We're doing some really standard analysis today on Thanksgiving Day. Um, I'm going to take Michigan in this one. 27-15. It's got to be a low-scoring game. I think one of those touchdowns is, is a defensive touchdown, possibly even special teams. Um, if you keep Ohio State to 15 points, you're going to win. So I'll take Michigan here. And in that scenario, that works out for Washington State. And uh, it works out for everyone else. If Ohio State wins, there's going to be a lot of teams uh, in the middle that are that are really not going to have a chance, being Georgia, Oklahoma. Well, Georgia will still have a chance because if they, you beat Alabama, you control your own destiny. But specifically Oklahoma and Washington State, they're going to be pretty much eliminated if Ohio State wins. If Michigan wins, you open the door now for, um, excuse me, Oklahoma and Washington State to get in barring a Notre Dame victory uh, over USC which is very likely to have I don't see how USC beats Notre Dame uh, they they throttled Syracuse in Yankee Stadium um, and everyone was picking Syracuse to win there's never a consensus upset pick I've never seen a case where everyone's picking an upset and it comes out to happen the best upsets or not even the best the upsets that happen in college football are the ones that no one sees coming that's why they're so shocking. There's once everyone was picking Syracuse, I felt really comfortable picking Notre Dame uh, in home. I'm making uh, air quotes here. Uh, they were listed as the home team, but it was in Yankee Stadium. So that's our college football for this week. We move on to the NFL. It's Thanksgiving. Why are we talking NFL football? What are we doing talking about Bradley? Who cares about Bradley Bill? Let's talk about some football. Let's throw the. You might be outside uh, right now throwing the pigskin around while the bird is frying uh, in the backyard. I'm running out of analogies here. It's Thanksgiving. Let's talk about football. It's the best tradition. Uh, it's the best Thanksgiving tradition more than the Macy's Day Parade. And that's it. There's, there's not that many uh, Thanksgiving traditions 
uh, other than just eating turkey. It's, it's great football on TV when, during halftime and after the games. You go outside, play some backyard football. It's fantastic. It's great. So let's get, go ahead and get right into it. First game today is the Bears and the Lions. Traditionally, the Lions always have a Thanksgiving game at home, similar to the Cowboys, which are the second game, and we'll get to them uh, in a little bit. Uh, the Bears are—they just keep getting better, man. They—they just keep—they uh, just keep getting better, and they keep proving people wrong. I picked the Vikings last week, and I felt pretty good about that pick. Or no, I picked the Bears last week. Never mind, I'm a genius. I picked the Bears last week uh, to win, and I was—yeah, uh, I kind of just stepped on my own foot right there. Stepped on my whole, ruined my just my whole segment I have there. Um, obviously, their defense is just the best in the NFL. I, last week, I did say the Rams were the best defense in the NFL. I was largely wrong. I was humongously wrong. It's absolutely the Bears. It's not even close. It's the Bears are the best defense uh, in the league. And what's even more impressive is what Matt Nagy has done to the Bears offense, specifically with Mitchell Trubisky. I am honestly more impressed with what Matt Nagy has done with Mitchell Trubisky than I am in, that I am impressed with what Andy Reid has done with Mahomes or with McVay than Goff. Mitchell Trubisky obviously has I would, the least amount of talent of those three. Um, and even Doug Peterson with Carson Wentz. Mitchell Trubisky is the least talented of all those quarterbacks. And uh, Matt Nagy is having, uh, he's not playing obviously to the level of Patrick Mahomes, but he's been more than competent this year. Um, he's, if you've added him on fantasy, he's been dynamic in some games and in okay in others. Uh, he's got some 40, uh, he's got some 40 point games. Uh, that's how, that's how I do my analysis. What are they doing at fantasy? That's all I care about. Uh, Matt Nagy has just done a fantastic job. Uh, with Mitchell Trubisky, and they're good enough. They don't get in their defense's way, similar to, uh, or unlike uh, a few years ago, the Jaguars' defense, when they were Saxonville, they kept getting put into horrible positions by Blake Bortles um, and the Jaguars' offense. The Bears do enough to keep keep the pressure off their defense, and the Bears' defense does enough to keep the pressure off. It's just, they're a great football team. I still don't know if I would take them even on the road, especially on the road against the Saints, or even the Rams uh, in the playoffs, um, but they're good. I mean, they're good. They're good enough to beat the Lions. I mean, they're going to win this week. Um, if you sleep, this game's going to be at ten o'clock. So make sure you set your uh, your fantasy lineups uh, early. Ten, uh, no, not tonight. Uh, early this morning or last night. Make sure you set your lineups because the games are going to start one hour earlier this uh, today uh, on Thanksgiving, specifically this one, uh, the Bears and Lions at ten o'clock in the morning. So once you set your lineups, feel free to sleep in. You're not missing anything. The Lions aren't going to show up. Why should you bother showing up? I mean, the Bears are going to win this one running away. Uh, I'll take the... I'll, wow, the Bears here I have here 40-10. to 10, And I don't think that's ridiculous. They're going to get some touchdowns on defense. And, uh, well, Mitchell Trubisky is uh, listed as out for this game. So I, I did make my picks a little bit before <laughs> he was uh, listed out. I still think they're going to win running away. I would say maybe like 28-10 to 10 or something like that because uh, they're not going to be as dynamic on offense. I just did this whole segment about how Matt Nagy and Mitchell Trubisky is the newest quarterback quarterback guru combo, combo and Mitchell Trubisky is not even playing on Thursday. So, uh, yeah, be on the lookout for that. But we all know uh, the Lions are going to get crushed by Khalil Mack anyway, so who cares? What's the difference? I'll take the Bears 28-10. to 10. Uh, Second game, and I think this is the most impactful game, maybe the most important game, uh, of the day is uh, the Washington D.C. football team and the Cowboys. I'm not saying uh, I'm not saying their mascot's name. I can't afford to alienate any um, uh, any potential listeners, so we're just going to keep it at the Washington D.C. football team. That's their name uh, on the Crowd Noise podcast. Um, both teams, these teams are playing for first place in the NFC East, which is a very winnable NFC East. But it's looking more like it's just coming down to the Reds, oh, to the Washington D.C. football team. And the Cowboys, I almost, I just said the Reds. I could be talking about the Cincinnati Reds. For I mean, I, I get confused sometimes. I was talking about, uh, yeah, the Cincinnati baseball team. Uh, the Washington, D.C. football team and the Cowboys are going to be playing for first place uh, on Thanksgiving. It doesn't get any better. The Cowboys at home on Thanksgiving. Uh, two, I think theirs is a 2 o'clock game or 1 o'clock if you're in the Pacific Coast. Uh, I try not to show where I am. I'm in the mountain time zone which is maybe the, the worst time zone in, in all of America. Uh, I kind of just gave that away right now. I feel a little bit of ashamed of myself. But uh, 1 o'clock uh, Pacific is when the Cowboys are going to be uh, kicking off. And the Cowboys are really... This is their division to lose. I mean, we, everyone buried them a few weeks ago. 
but they've really they're trending upwards now after two road wins against uh, the Eagles and the, the Falcons. I almost lost the name. Uh, I'm naming all these teams by their cities. I forgot the mascots' names. So they won two straight road games, and man, Zeke has just been running wild, and everyone's just so impressed. Zeke is back. Keep feeding him. The Cowboys are back. Their offensive line. It's it's not a conscious decision or effort that the Cowboys just figured out, hey, why don't we just start giving it to Ezekiel Elliott? It's not that. It's the presence of Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper's presence makes the passing game just dynamic enough. I'm not saying Dak Prescott is back to being what he was in his rookie year. He's still not as good as Carson Wentz. He's not even Jared Goff. I mean, but he's you have to respect Amari Cooper's presence, and that is enough to free up Ezekiel Elliott. Now, I brought some numbers here uh, for you today. Uh, so you t- it's Thanksgiving, might as well bring some sides for you, some numbers. In their past two games, which they have both won, uh, Ezekiel Elliott has 273 rushing yards com- uh, total. In their four games prior to that, only one of them was Amari Cooper on the team. That was against the Titans, who have uh, they shut down New England's rushing game, so we'll give them the benefit of the doubt there. But in their previous four games uh, to that, he has 254 rushing yards combined. So just Amar- out of... Three games that Amari Cooper's been on the team, he's immediately made an impact, and he hasn't even had a monster day yet. Amari Cooper doesn't have to score a touchdown again uh, for, for this trade to work for the Cowboys. He's already working. He's, just, he's giving them enough diversity on offense to free up Ezekiel Elliott, which is what they want to do in the first place, and the Cowboys, lo and behold, have won two straight games, and they're playing for first place uh, today, Thanksgiving. And they, what's also going for them, you never like to point out these as a positive, uh, but... I mean, it happens in the sport. Alex Smith, done for the season, uh, broke his ankle. Was it ankle or is his leg? I mean, he broke a lower extremity injury. Um, he's, he's done for the season, so the Cowboys will be playing against Colt McCoy. Uh, and the Cowboys have a secretly, quietly, a top 10 defense in the league as far as yards allowed and points allowed. So I don't know. It's a backup quarterback on a short week. I'm going to take the Cowboys this week, 25 to 10. They uh, now. <laughs> As far as competing, they should win this division. The rest of their schedule is uh, pretty... Um, my friend sent it to me the other day. Uh, it's okay. They played the Saints once, which should be tough. And the Colts, who are a sleeper uh, playoff team in the AFC, they're not bad. The Colts are actually pretty good, especially lately. Andrew Luck's really heating up. So they have two tough games left uh, Do the Cowboys. And they should... I think they should pretty much win out outside of that New Orleans game. There's no way they're winning that one. I think they're in the Superdome, too. I'll have to check on that. So good luck there. As far as competing in the playoffs with the Rams on the road, because they're, they're going to make the playoffs, or they should. I never, never, ever fully trust, never fully invest the Cowboys because you're going to look like a fool. They should make the playoffs. Uh, but with that, they're going to be the worst team in the playoffs in the NFC. They're not going to have a good enough record to have a home field advantage in any scenario uh, outside of a wild card team beating number one seed off a bye. Um, so they're going to have to go on the road to New Orleans, to LA, possibly even Chicago. I don't know how they're going to fare against those teams, but for now, I'll take the Cowboys 25 to 10 on Thanksgiving. And the last game of, I was going to say of the year, of the day, it's a nightcap on NBC. Uh, the Saints and the Falcons, that one's going to be in the Superdome. Good luck with that one. Uh, the Saints made a statement last week after they just dismantled and embarrassed the reigning and likely to not to defend uh, champion uh, Eagles. They just, they just blew them away. They were running up the score. They went for it on fourth and seven when they were already up 40 points. Uh, they scored a touchdown on that play. They really wanted to run up the score. They're sending a message to the rest of the league. Uh, the Eagles aren't good, I mean, but... They are they are a figure. Just being the reigning Super Bowl champions, beating them, by, uh, putting up fifty on them is is a big deal. No matter how good or bad they are, they're the reigning Super Bowl champions. That that's a big deal, especially in uh, well, maybe not especially, but being in the Super Bowl Superdome uh, this week at home just even further encourages me to pick uh, the Falcons. A Falcons defense who is really banged up, they're really hurt, um, and they have a lot of holes. Combine that with their playing Drew Brees. Combine that with their playing Drew Brees at home. I'm taking the Saints running away with this one. It could get really ugly. Uh, you might have to change the channel and put it on Charlie Brown because this game's going to get ugly. I have them putting up another 50-piece uh, Saints 50-17. to 17. Now, this game, as, as far as picking the game, it's not that intriguing. But it's what, this, what it means for the Saints going forward. 
um, competing with the Rams and potentially even um, the Chiefs. If they were to meet each other down the road, it would be the Super Bowl in the playoffs. Um, they have the big three to compete with both of those teams and beat both. They've already they've already beat both of those teams, uh, or not the Chiefs, but they've beaten the Rams and. Uh, no, they haven't beat the same. They haven't beat the Chiefs, but uh, I think they can beat the Chiefs with. Uh, they have Breeze, obviously. They have Michael Thomas and Kamara. That could, I would put them up there with Todd Gurley, Goff, and Robert Woods, and then it, with the Chiefs, they have Tyreek Hill, Patrick Mahomes, and uh, Kareem Hunt. Almost lost the name there, because they're going to have home field advantage throughout the playoffs, except for the Super Bowl, obviously. But throughout the NFC, they're going to have home field advantage. You're going to have to go through New Orleans in the Superdome. That's not. That is a really tough thing to do. They're going to have home field advantage even over the Rams because they'll have the tiebreaker being the only loss uh, that the Rams have suffered this year. So I would probably still... Oh, man, I'm going back and forth here. I don't know how much better they are than the Rams. They're probably equal. But being at home and just being in a comfortable, really loud environment in a dome, I mean, it's hard to pick against the Saints in that kind of scenario. And they're probably going to get the Cowboys, like I said earlier, for the first or second round. Who, I mean, they're, if they're not running the ball, if they don't have 200 uh, yards rushing, they're not going to win. They're not going to be in the game. Uh, the Cowboys do have... Uh, man, here I go. Here I go. I'm fully investing in the Cowboys. They do have a good formula for playing against the Saints, and that's just keeping Drew Brees off the field. I don't know how long he could do that because the Saints' defense, specifically their defensive line, They've been wreaking havoc on teams. You saw that against Carson Wentz. When he took his helmet off, he looked like he was sunburned. I mean, they were just putting uh, Carson Wentz in the turf. I think I said Drew Brees. The Saints' offense, defensive line was taking down Drew Brees. Um, the Saints' defensive line was just drilling Carson Wentz. I mean, they were putting him into the turf. So I don't know how the Cowboys' offensive line would fare against that, especially they're not, like I said, they're dynamic enough to get to the playoffs. They're not gonna, probably not going to win a game. They're not definitely not getting to the Super Bowl. Um, so there's that. Sorry, Cowboys fans. Um, that's the end of our show this week. You can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Anchor Podcast. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Um, what are, I mean, I can't, this is going to be great. Can't wait for dinner. Why is Thanksgiving dinner at like 2.30? That doesn't make any sense to me. It, I mean, it, it's just kind of weird. We call it Thanksgiving dinner, and it's at like 2 o'clock. It's just it's just kind of weird, but that's what you do on Thanksgiving. It's a tradition. You have dinner at two thirty in the afternoon, and then you have dessert. Then you have to wait. You have to wait for dessert until nine o'clock. You still don't get pumpkin pie until when you should be getting pumpkin pie right after dinner uh, at the nighttime. But you don't you don't get it right after dinner because dinner is at two thirty in the afternoon. But uh, please enjoy uh, Thanksgiving uh, this year. I'll see you again next week, or I'll, I'll talk to you again next week. Um, I've already looked down the calendar because I was wondering. I didn't. I didn't know uh, when I started the show. I didn't realize that I was going to have to broadcast or record on Thanksgiving. It's not a problem. I'm happy to do it. But I didn't realize I was going to have to do it on Thanksgiving because I just wasn't thinking that far ahead. So I looked ahead in the future if there's any Christmas day. If the Christmas on uh, Thursday or New Year's is on a Thursday. No, I am free. So this is the last crowd noise holiday special of this year. I don't know about next year, but for 2018, it's the last crowd noise holiday special. I hope you enjoyed it. There really wasn't that much special about it other than I just kept saying Thanksgiving at random uh, moments in time. So uh, yeah, there's that. Go ahead and uh, enjoy your food. Enjoy your family. Uh, I'll talk to you again next week.